Hello and welcome to Side Dish, your podcast about Longmont, all the stuff you want to know and very little that you need to know. I'm Eric Pazempa. I'm Brady Stuffel. And I'm Annie Larner. Hey gang, welcome in. Uh, good days, good snow, right? Good snow. <laughs> yeah, good snow. Yeah, nice snow. light, fluffy stuff. It is light and fluffy. Yeah. I actually, I saw someone today. She's a, she's a newcomer to town from Texas, and she she didn't really know what to do. She was overwhelmed, and she used a snow blower to get the snow off her car. Off her yeah. car? Yeah. How did she? What? Yeah, she said she went. Not sorry. Did I say snow blower? A leaf blower. She went with oh. a leaf blower and got the <laughs> snow off her car. I was, I was like, how did she get it up there? And what did that do to the paint? <laughs> Annie, you of all people should be just, Annie's, up in Annie's just being in his lap. I have to tell you that before we got on, the, these two yahoos were uh, were harassing me because they're like, how do you have a microphone? We're going to do a, a GoFundMe for a microphone. And I'm like, they tend to show off all their new, like great equipment on the screen as we're looking mine. at each other. And I'm like, okay, look. And I bend my camera down. So I'm like, yes, I have a microphone. I'm not like talking on my weird, like, yeah, 1975 now, Radio Shack tape recorder or something. <laughs> and now here, Eric is flexing for all of the listeners, and we're not talking about ours. Eric's like, "Well, I didn't tell you guys, but I'm gonna tell everybody else." So yeah, exactly. Everybody who listens to this. I'm gonna make sure that they know that I have a decent microphone, and you guys can all go exactly yeah. go eat worms. Yeah, exactly. No, but really, anyway. this snow just shut Longmont down today, man. What's up with that? It's it really did. Bad. I mean, it was like dead. It's kind of like shut down. It was crazy. Yeah, I went to try to go to Miko today. They were closed. I couldn't. Miko was closed. Wow. Miko's I'm not closed. that surprised because I did go out. I drove. I drove to my brother's house. Like I was saying, he lives like six blocks away. I had to take over some plumbing <laughs> stuff to his house. I'm not gonna walk there. Why? I'm gonna walk there with a bunch of plumbing junk. You're from Minnesota. <laughs> go for it. What the heck? Why? <laughs> I'm from Minnesota. I know how to drive in the snow. I'll be fine. So I. <laughs> There so, goes the planet, buddy. Oh, planet. yeah. The, so I uh, brushed off the car, drove over there, and I did a, a four-wheel slide as I was turning. It was, nice. it, it's greasy, so I can yeah, understand why everybody was, yeah. you know. You know, and for uh, me, yeah. I see it as a challenge anyway. I just want to uncover my car and make sure I can get out and drive. I don't know yeah. why. It's just some creepy, weird. I love driving like, in the snow. Yeah. No, I've got to do, do this. I've got to do this. We've got to stay tough out there, man. we got to yeah. we got to challenge the snow. This I is like, how you can't let it win. I like how it's, like, tough, but I've got, like, heated seats <laughs> to be tough i like put on long yeah. underwear and, and stretch. Like, but that is even the point like it's not that hard you know you no. gotta get out you gotta brush it off and for those of you who have a husband maybe he does that for you like <clears throat> some of us wow. but once you get nice. to that point it's just not that bad no it's not too bad I, honestly like starting and stopping is not too bad um chad doesn't have four-wheel drive on any of his vehicles he's got a rear wheel drive van which i imagine in, in this type of like oh, that's yeah. just the worst. No oh, thanks. But yeah. front wheel drive is fine for most of the stuff. If you're on the flats, it's not a big deal. Going up hills or driving in the hills or whatever is no thanks. Um, no thanks. I'll just stay home. Wait, it'll melt in a few days. So yeah. so on this on the on the note of snow days, have I talked to this crew, you guys, already about the, the difference in snow days now and how we have online learning days instead of snow days? Oh. So this is uh have the school district you're up? talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, so the Go same so same Green Valley now, you know. This is kind of a post-COVID change. I don't think that was because of COVID, but mm -hmm. it sort of prompted it. Now, when we have snow days, instead of it just being a proper snow day, it's an online learning day. It's not considered a snow day. Now, they, have a, they have a limit to how many there are, right? If we were to have 10 snow days, only the first however many, I don't know the number, are, I believe, online online learning days. And mm -hmm. then at some point, we, we, we just turned to snow days. So we're in number two now. And so it was an online learning day. And I, I've just been in this ongoing discussion with my friends about this and how I feel about it. I mean, on the one hand, I, I hate it. it. 
you know, I know it's hard. Like on one hand, I yeah. get it. It's probably to reduce absence and maybe uh-huh. there's a funding thing behind it. And like, if you don't want to fuss with the safety and dealing with all of it, and it's just as easy to do it online, then let's make snow days slash online learning days a little more common. But on the other hand, you're robbing kids of a really important part of childhood, which yeah. is snow days and the glory and yeah. the luck of a snow day. It's so good. But now they're oh, kind of man. more common in this online learning. So I just feel like We've sort of I, lost something here. I yeah, I get I I get both sides of this one because yeah, there's accountability. There's parents right. need to have some accountability for the kids if they have to go to work, and all of that. But I, it's the same thing. I remember waking up in the morning, back when we had to listen to the radio for this, and you just be like, okay, so and so, and it's alphabetical. It's like, here we come. Are we? Are you know? Are we gonna be? Uh, you know, and then you're all hyped up and you get the whole yeah, day off to exactly. watch TV, make snowmen, uh, build a snow exactly. fort, you know, whatever. And depending yeah. if it's Minnesota, <laughs> there was a time where school was canceled because it was so cold that a pipe burst at the school where I went through. So I probably didn't go outside that day, but you know, it's still a pretty glorious piece of childhood when school, like your responsibilities are unexpectedly canceled. So that part of me is I'm a little sad that that's not a thing as much. I mean, I'll say that his the, we've got the first grader and the teacher is really reasonable. I mean, the first day that we did this, it was like, go build a snowman and then write a story about it and then read about it. And then, you know, and then the PE was like some about getting outside. And so, you know, it, it was very, yeah. it was light on cool. learning. I'll say that and encouraged enjoying the snow. So at least there's that. And I think they're not required to get online anymore, at least the first graders. So Which, it's still, but yeah. You know, and like, what- what I'd love to see, Annie, though, is an analysis on like total days of non-school. Because for me, yeah. you know, like we didn't like when I was a kid. I mean, here's the old man coming out. We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of snow days because back then it seemed like the superintendent had a heated garage and he really didn't care <laughs> back then. And it was like too bad. And I remember like freezing my butt off outside of junior high. Back then it was junior high. And, you know, it was like minus five and we're trying to get into the school and it was like too bad, you know, so sad. But, you know, now with in-service days and other things, like I don't know what the net gain or loss is. So if you take away right. 10 snow days, does it still come back to what it was in like 1970s and 80s or is it still more days off? I don't know because there's a lot more in-service days and half days. I mean, you're still doing late start days, right? Yeah. And actually today was supposed to be a late start date, which was kind of weird. I mean, they almost could have just done a, with yeah. the late start, although teachers had to get there. So I guess it's not just the students, yeah. but yeah, I know I, we were wondering the same exact thing. Like what are the actual stats on how, how much this happened before versus now? And it's, it's tough to compare. I, I do know but, that if we had a, we broke a certain number of snow days in Minnesota, then we had to start tacking days on at the end of the year. And like, it's all well and good to, right. you know, take your five snow days and, and enjoy them. But then you're, you're like tacking on extra days at the end. It's like, no, no, I don't know if I'm coming. <laughs> I love yeah. Brady. You know, it's good until the good gets gets getting. So, you know, Rough House <laughs> will turn to tears and those <laughs> kids will will have to go to school longer, you know. But no, I don't care. I can appreciate the serendipity of having a snow day. So for me, it's kind of a bummer. Like if I was a kid, it'd be like, oh, you can't even it's count a, on a snow day now to yeah. cancel school. You know, right. So. It's a big right, bummer. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. It's, I mean, it's like not going to change. It's the first world problem, to be honest. Um, all right. And the last comment I'll make about all of it, though, however, is that this was like a St. Rain thing. When I was comparing mm-hmm. all of the school closures in Denver, St. Rain's the only one that had an online learning day. Yeah. Everyone else was just straight up closed. There was a thing so on the Reddit like about super that. innovative. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. They were like, like so-and-so's closed. So-and-so's. And they were making a huff yeah. about it. So-and-so's closed. So-and-so's yeah. closed. It's We're online learning. And, you know, I think somebody was poo-pooing it. I didn't go too deep into it. Because, you know, like if I'm not living through it, it's, it's a different experience because I don't have sure. kids. 
Sure. So yeah, but it is. I, I do think that like we didn't get that many. They were like, no, you're just gonna drive in it. You're just yeah. gonna like just we're sending the buses out like too too bad. Like, you know, Eric making it sound like, yeah, just get just get your butt to school. Um, so it was usually pretty bad when we when we would go. But I remember um I think this was after I graduated and whatever, but I went back and there was a snowstorm that came through Minnesota that dropped, I think it was two feet on one day and then two feet the next day or like two, two days after or something. And so it was, you know, you get that kind of thing. Nobody's driving. You're not, you know, but then the plows come by every couple hours um, because it's a different experience because it doesn't melt like it does here. So it's, it's a whole other thing, but um, it was really like, yeah, the country kids wouldn't be coming in because they, you know, the the roads weren't plowed. It's just, you you cannot get there unless you have a plow attached to the front of your truck that you've been route up and down your mile long driveway for the last uh, 18 hours straight. So, eh. So that's the big news from Longmont. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) Well, along those lines, I will tell you one of the things that one of my neighbors does that's kind of my pet peeve is, so this is a true, I'm not embellishing this story whatsoever. So I went outside (laughs) to shovel the snow. So I'm outside shoveling snow and this, and then I'm also like, I'm going to shovel the, our driveway too, just a little bit. Cause it kind of becomes annoying afterward and, and afterward and like this crazy, you know, ice skating rink of it, if the snow lasts a long time. So I do that. I shovel the walk. I've got the car going. And then I decide I'm going to go uh, make a quick trip to the grocery store. I got to get some gas. So I do that. And then I stop to get a cup of coffee on the way back. So this is probably 20 minutes or so. Um, I don't think I set this up properly, but my, my neighbor had started his car about the same time as mine. I come back, his car still oh, yeah. warming up. And yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I really want to go over there and say, could you save some gas for the younger kids? You know, and <laughs> yeah. it's just, and they'll do it. They'll do it summer, fall, oh, winter. It does not matter. Why would you matter. start your car early in the summer? I, I don't know why you start your car anyway. I can understand having it a little warm before you get in, <laughs> but seriously, new cars, fuel injection, you don't, it's not like my it's, 67 it's Mustang that you need to uh, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, you needed yeah. to keep going or else it was going to stall out. So no, I, I don't think it's, I think it's, you want it to warm up. So the heater's working. So you get in your comfortable. I think that's what yeah. it is. And sometimes for defrosting, if you like, you lose your ice scraper or whatever, but you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, uh, we, I, there was a lot of mornings, I'll say, in Minnesota where I would I would wake up and go start my car a half hour early. I had a 1980 Grand Prix. I had a 80 and a 79. One of them blew up. May or may not have been my fault. Um, but like that wouldn't run well. The heater was garbage. The seats would like literally freeze. So you'd sit on it. It would be rock oh, yeah. solid. Yeah. Was it like Nagahide? Did you have that? <laughs> no, it was, it was the fabric. But oh, okay. it, my friends, would, they were like, it's like being in an airplane because all the all the dials and the indicators, and stuff, everything was in a circle. And it was just like <laughs> these circles all over the place. It was like sitting in a cockpit. Uh, I love that car. But I, I did put that backwards into a ditch because of rear wheel drive. It just let go. And yeah, that was that. Yeah. So I think it looks like Tanner is joining us, but I believe he's having a little difficulty with the audio. I'm not sure. Here. Oh, yeah. here? All right. Yep. He's here. Awesome. Just in time. The nick of time. Perfect. So I want to introduce everybody uh, to our guest today. Tanner, is it Weiss? Is that the- Weiss. Weiss. The oh, sorry. Yeah, I blew it here. Yeah. Tanner Weiss uh, happens to be my neighbor and also happens to be the owner of Blade and Bow um, Tree Care. Mm-hmm. And you're actually a um, you're on the list of the city as far as reputable tree trimmers. Yeah, and as reputable as any tree trimmer can be. 
<laughs> walk me down this path now. What, so I just the hot goss on the tree right. trimmers behind. So me? just to set this up, Tanner came out and tr- and trimmed our oak tree, and I thought it would be great to have him on here just to talk about some trees, tree care, that sort of thing, because. We all have talked about like how dry it's been and that sort of thing. I first want to start out, Tanner, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, just in full disclosure, it's like entire family lives on my block. Pretty soon we'll be told to leave <laughs> because he'll have like a nephew or a niece come in here or something to to buy my house. And we need, we need your house. Is that get out yeah. of here? You've been yeah, here exactly. since the 90s. <laughs> Ship out. So it's Tanner, where did, you, where did you grow up? Where, you know, What's your backstory? So... I was born here at Boulder Community Hospital some 36 years ago and grew up for the first part of my childhood in a place called the everybody who lives here will know El Dorado Springs. So just oh, yeah. south of Boulder. Uh, yeah. And then moved into Boulder uh, when I was around 10. And so I've lived on the front range for a good majority of my life. have lived elsewhere since then, but moved back here about 10, 12 years ago and have been living here since. So awesome. And yeah. then how did you get into the tree care business? How, how'd that go down? That's a good question. Um, so I have always been a plant lover and uh, I, my mom was an avid gardener as a kid. And uh, actually, my father was a professional mountaineer, which are kind of the two main influences of, of a climbing arborist. So I grew up with a uh, a love of plants and taking care of them and also no fear of heights. So that was uh, kind of my introduction. And then about 10 years ago, a a, uh, friend of mine who was in the tree care industry was uh, cutting out and starting his own business and, and asked me to come help run the business with him, having known nothing about tree care um, before then. So kind of hopped in with both feet and uh, eventually started my own business. And uh, yeah, we've been operating here in Longmont for about seven, eight years now with Blade and Bow. So yeah. Awesome. And then let's see how, how, you know, because we're about shameless promotion here. So um, can you tell like either website, Facebook, how do people get a hold of you? I'm just curious. This is a good question. This is kind of a, a, a difficult question. I am available <laughs> via the uh, uh, licensing, uh, the, uh, the excuse me, Longmont's licensed arborist list. That's about my only web presence. So I am shamefully and woefully unavailable via the <laughs> internet. But all my contact info is up on the uh, city website. So anybody looking to... Uh, to get us out for an assessment, just go there and, and my info is up there. Well, I mean, I'll actually do a shameless plug because you're just so nice anyway. So bladeandbow at gmail.com, I believe is the email address, correct? Yeah. And or my primary business email is tanner at bladeandbow.com. Okay, so cool. That's, and that's bow is B-O-U-G-H, just in case people don't know the spelling. So, um, so Tanner, um, you know, I, we we probably can set you up with some people who can do a website for you. But that aside, <laughs> um, we uh, the three of us were talking about the drought that we had up until the snowfall in December. And we're just wondering, like, can you give recommendations as we move into spring? Like, how should we care for our trees? Like, what should we be doing, if anything? 
Um, obviously, it seems like moisture is an issue for right now, yeah. but is there something we should be doing right now or close to spring or even spring that we should be doing to take care of our trees? Absolutely. Um, and we should start even sooner than spring. So first off, let, you know, we shouldn't be deceived by the snowfall. We still are experiencing, you know, overall drought conditions. Um, and thank goodness for the precipitation right now, but just in general, we are moving in Colorado into more and more drought prone conditions. And so it's something that gets overlooked a lot, but one of the easiest ways for us to take care of our plants in general, our landscape plants in general, but also our trees in specific, and they get a bit overlooked, is just supplemental irrigation. So we really want to keep on top of watering trees. And actually something that gets even more overlooked is winter watering. Um, which we should be doing at least once a month. I like to recommend twice a month in the winter because uh, actually some of our plants experience worse drought stress uh, during the winter. And especially late in winter, we get something called winter desiccation or late winter desiccation. And what happens is the ground's still frozen. So the root base is not uptaking water. And yet... Uh, wind starts blowing. We can even have, you know, foliage on the trees. So we're losing moisture out of the canopy and, uh, not uptaking water quite yet. So especially obviously in our evergreens that maintain foliage throughout the year. So yeah, watering in the winter is a big, big hurdle for us. So that's kind of our, one of our main plugs. And it means that you can avoid the, uh, you know, the often big bills that arborists will give you. So, well, I think that's just a, a great point is, is that, you know, if you have a tree that needs to be removed, it, it ain't cheap. Uh, you yep. know, I can speak from experience, so that ain't cheap. Yeah. And that's probably the last thing anybody wants to do anyway. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we were kind of ranting. I know Brady and I have been probably ranting about two years about how people need to water their trees. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> well, we're not the only ones then. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, we live in a tree lined area yeah. and yeah. all three of us live in old areas. And so for us, it's critical that people take care of their trees to preserve that that feel that everybody loves about central Longmont and, yeah. you know, and I, it just kills me when people decide to just kind of let it go and not really worry about it. And I can't really figure out what that's about. So, yeah. But, yeah. Well, hey, and, Tanner, you know, sorry, go ahead, Amy. I was going to ask, can you give us an update out of Emerald ash borer in Longmont? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have, th there's not a ton of good news there. Um, <laughs> uh, the one kind of piece of good news that we have is that, uh, information's getting out. People are interested in, uh, in, in getting the information and the community is reacting. But so as of right now, we've had Emerald ash borer active in Longmont. I think we found our first case in 2016. So we're going on about six years now. Um, just from uh, kind of what I saw last season, we're reaching a critical mass of population where I'm seeing far more untreated ash deaths last season than I saw any season prior. Um, and is so it true that like by the time you notice symptoms of the ash borer, it's, it's basically too late? Uh, it is. It, it, 
we are pretty far down the lane by the time we're noticing dieback in the canopy. Uh, it's true, but you know, absolutely. If you see dieback from the top of your ash, be it green or white, get an arborist out there immediately. And hopefully we can still treat, but no, you're absolutely right. If we're seeing symptoms, it's, it's pretty far along. So and the infestations can kill a tree, can infest and kill a tree in a season. So oh, it's wow. one of it's one of the fastest moving and and tree killing pests or pathogens that we're seeing in Colorado right now. So it's absolutely something to act immediately on. And a lot of this stuff, you know, we're on tree time, so we can kind of. Uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say kick up our heels and take our time, but there's a little more time to react with EAB. We really want to be proactive. Mm -hmm. And so preventative treating is proving to be incredibly effective. I mean, I'm seeing ash side by side, one treated, one untreated, and one is fully dead. The untreated is fully dead and the treated is showing no symptoms at all. What is so it, the treatment is highly effective. What does it look like? And like, what, what kind of prices are people looking at? Cause like my neighbors have a couple in their backyard and they have a beautiful, beautiful backyard and they, they spend a lot of time. And I mean, the guy slack lines and they have this big, like hammocky thing that you would sort of suspend over a Canyon and they have yeah. it mounted yeah. up in there. And it's a, it's a, it's fun. It's really cool. But if two of those trees die, he's going to be in trouble. And I've been harassing them. I'm sure they're treating it. So what does that look like? So it varies company to company. Um, and it also varies, uh, depending on the chemical you're using, the pesticide you're using. That said, um, typically you'll see prices running around an average of about $15 an inch of diameter at breast height. Okay. So if we, you know, we're talking about a 10 inch diameter tree, you know, you'll be seeing $150 investment every two to three years for a okay. fairly well-established and mature tree. And so, I mean, it is, it is a cost, but it, it's well worth keeping a, a big mature ash and a huge part of our population here in Longmont that was kind of the initial deciduous trees planted by the folks who, uh, you know, we're bringing pails of water up from the St. Vrain to, to uh, Thompson Park to water these trees 120 years ago are all green ash. So it's a substantial part of the municipal population. And uh, yeah, we're just really urging folks to get on it. So. And Tanner, can you, for the people who don't understand what, what that is, can you explain what the disease looks like, what they should be looking for? Absolutely. So emerald ash borer gets its name. It's a boring beetle um, and it gets its name from its beautiful iridescent green color. And it's actually moved eastwards across the United States. So the East Coast and the Midwest has already been affected and essentially decimated the ash populations uh, through there. So we've had a little bit of forewarning about it. It first landed in Boulder in 2013. Um, and that was the first place in Colorado. Like I said, we got it in 2016. And essentially signs and symptoms, what you're looking for is what folks will see first is die back in the top of the canopy, because the infestation of the beetle will begin at the top of the canopy and move down. And uh, they they bore into the uh, uh, underneath the surface of the bark of the tree and kill the tree. 
And um, so if you're seeing any dieback from the top of your ash, uh, you, chances are, if it's an untreated ash, that it's EAB. Um, so that's kind of the initial symptom. If we're seeing, you know, dieback in the top of the ash and what we call epicormic growth, meaning uh, water sprouting at the base of the ash, trying to recover that leaf bearing canopy, um, then it's pretty far along. Um, and the thing folks need to know is the further along the infestation gets, the harder it is to treat because we're actually systemically injecting the pesticide. Mm -hmm. And then it's translocated throughout the tree using the vascular system of the oh, tree. Sure. So the more the beetle, uh, and that's what uh, the beetles compromises eat, right? the vascular system of yep. the tree, the less we're able to get to the chemicals to the applicable parts. So yeah, basically, it gets on the outside of the tree and eats its way through that, right? The whatever that's I can't think of the, the yeah. xylem and the yep the stuff yep. up there exactly, and compromises the vascular system of the tree. So yep. Okay. Uh, EAB is, you know, definitely moving through the community. The good news is that we've got a lot of good folks and uh, out there treating a lot of trees and, you know, municipally we'll be able to save a lot of our best ash. So, yeah. Well, that's great. That's good news. That is yeah. good. Now, getting kind of getting along to maybe spring planting, you know, and maybe people wanting to either plant a tree can you suggest maybe some varieties that are often overlooked? And again, given the fact that you were talking about drought being more persistent in Colorado, are there yeah. certain varieties we really should look at maybe yeah. closer? Yeah, absolutely. So just one thing I'll say is anybody who's seen a picture of Boulder County from maybe 120 years ago knows very well that deciduous trees don't really want to grow here. So yeah. I would, you know, 95% of the species that we now see in Boulder County are all introduced species. And uh, despite the, you know, the incredible urban canopy we have here, there's very few species that do really well. So we've had to, over the many, many years, kind of pick out the, the species of trees that'll both live here and flourish here. And uh, we have, you know, through trial and error, weaned our way down to better and better trees. And, you know, we're, we're getting away from the cottonwoods and the silver maples, which are some of our more prevalent species, and into stuff that actually really works. And as you said, Eric, a big component of what makes those species work is just drought resistance and the ability to survive without a lot of water as well as deal with a bunch of the temperature fluctuations that we have here and that we have more and more of. And that's a big plant killer in the area is just the big mm -hmm. swings between temperatures. And, you know, I mean, it's not so much the low temperatures in winter as it is, you know, the 60 degree sunny day we'll get in December that goes into negative 10. So mm -hmm. those are the tough ones. In regards to species, there's a lot of good you know, I could kind of go on and on about naming species, but there's a lot of good uh, resources out there. CSU has a recommended tree list for the front range uh, that you can Google that has a ton of really good species. Some of my favorites is, and I'm really into planting shade trees. I, I love medium and, uh, and, and small trees, but I see a lot of those being planted right now and, and not a lot of shade trees being planted because, you know, we won't necessarily get to enjoy a lot of them, but our kids and grandkids will. Um, and uh, I, 
a native tree here that does really well is called the hackberry, and it's one of the most drought-resistant trees uh, that that we mm-hmm. found. Deciduous trees that we found—they're great trees. There's a number of oaks that do really well here. Um, bur oaks do great. Swamp white oaks. Just planted a bur oak. Nice. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Nice. I'll be in blinded today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, those are two oaks that I love that do really well. Um, one, our one native oak that does really well is actually a smaller oak, but it's a scrub oak or a gamble oak. Never heard of um, that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Gamble oaks. You see them a lot on the Western slope, uh, not on the front range, but they do really well in Colorado and, uh, they're a smaller tree. I think they max out at about 30 feet, but they're beautiful. They're pretty. They're um, really pretty. I have to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another tree that I love that seems to do really well here and, you know, a pest and pathogen will crop, crop up on these trees. Um, but this one seems to be resistant to a lot of what we have to throw at it is a linden and yeah. both uh, yeah. little leaf linden and American lindens do really well here. Um, they just drop terrible pods. <laughs> yeah. No, they no. Are yeah. Messy trees. It's a messy tree at some point yeah. in the year. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. uh, yep. Well, hey, I mean, it's like back in the day, I was talking to a, a uh, old nurseryman the other day, and he was saying they used to sell honey locusts <laughs> as mess-free trees. So if anybody oh, knows boy. what a honey locust is, <laughs> well, knows that that's a branding snafu yeah. uh, for the ages. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, we at the place we used to rent, they had um, some type of female locust tree that just had an insane amount of pods. And I think I pulled... It was either 30 or 60 like garbage bags full of pods out of the backyard because it was a massive tree. It was a beautiful tree. At, but And then the landlord was like, you got to clean this place up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all I have done for a month is clean these pods and bags pods along, yeah. just bags and bags and bags along the uh, the front sidewalk as I was cleaning that place up. Um, and it, it was an absolute nightmare. And now I have um, three locusts, two in the backyard, and the neighbors got one, and they, they don't. They don't drop any. It's it's really nice. Yeah. Or, or yeah. very few. I've got a variety question for you. This yeah. is a burning question. I'm so happy you're here to answer this. Yeah. It call your park in Longmont. There's a tree that's been planted there that I've been so curious about for a while. And I'm going to show you a picture of it. Okay. And for those of you who can't see this, this tree is skinny and tall and it has leaves from top to bottom. And it's like a, it looks like a pretty young tree and this is in the fall. So it's starting to change colors and it's changing from the top down. So the top of this tree is red, the middle is orange and the bottom is green. And so I finally had to like consult Google and Google told me that it was a European beach tree i was just about to say the growth habit looks like a beach although i'm beach tree completely unaware of where was that planted it's in the middle of collier park it's the one over by the tracks you know at collier and like long's peak so obviously the city planted this and brought this but i've never seen it on city property anywhere else yeah yeah well we in longmont are so blessed with an really incredible forestry program and the municipal arborists are awesome folks and are doing a lot of, well, yeah, quite a bit of experimentation with species right now. So we're trying to kind of 
uh, branch out and really figure out what works well here with, you know, continued experimentation. And you'll see a lot of that in our city parks. Um, oh, so okay. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to go check that out. I did well, not know that we had a newly planted beach. Well, and I think, you know, Tanner, you live near Roosevelt Park, and I always am amazed by some of the variety. And there's a larch over there. I believe it's a larch. And the one that looks like a pine tree, but then it loses its leaves. Oh, a bald cypress. Is, yeah, it, is that what it is? Bald okay. cypress right yeah, I just, I'm just like blown away. They planted like another one over at Roosevelt Park. It seems Park. like a water intensive tree. That's oh, it's amazing. It's really, I don't really think there's much maintenance there. Although I will say the one that's doing really well is next to the ice skating rink and they tend to throw the extra ice on top of it. So yeah. it's kind of a little abused and it seems to be doing okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bald cypresses are very interesting trees. I was just talking with a colleague of mine who's from Texas, and down there they are a swamp tree That's in their say, native like habitat. The yeah, water. they like live in the swamp, and they're actually a really interesting tree because, kind of counterintuitively, they do fairly well without a ton of water. I've seen them do well without heavy water. So they have a, and they do well in our alkaline soils, which is another kind of of what makes Colorado tricky is we have clay soils that are very alkaline, which is why a lot of species of maple and uh, oak don't do well here because they become chlorotic. So, but bald cypresses seem to do great. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a really cool, it's a fascinating tree because for people who are maybe wanting to walk through Roosevelt, it'd be on the west side of the ice skating rink. And like I said, it looks like a pine tree, but it's got this conical shape to it, but there are no needles or anything on it right now because it leafs out and it's really tiny, fine leaves like in the spring. And it's just so beautiful when it actually does come out. My wife laughs at me because I go by it all the time and hug it. But um, (laughs) some of the trees that have over there, I think they have some um, buckeyes and a few other things too, that are just so fascinating to see here. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we just ended up, Eric, with some Osage orange planted on just south Mm. of us, on the block south of us. So no, there's a lot of cool species cropping up, and uh, so you get your hedge balls, people, huh? What's that? Get your hedge balls, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the lore is that they'll keep uh, like insects and spiders away. Those things. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they actually would sell them. Um, so if you don't know, an Osage orange, I think this is the same tree. They have these like weird sort of brain textured green balls that they drop, and they're about the size of a baseball. Oh, and they're really hard, yeah, yeah. and they smell kind of weird. And um, <clears throat> you could get them, and, and we would place them in on our house to keep like insects from running and, and uh, keep spiders down. We had uh, firewood and stuff for our, for our wood furnace. And so we had a fair amount of daddy long legs that would run around it. We're supposed to keep these things around. And that was the lore for those things. When I was growing up nice. is like, that's what they, and I think they actually sold them in the grocery store at one point. You know, and another like. obscure reference here, he's like talking about hedge balls. I'm like, what the heck are we going to have to bleep this out? Where are you going? What are you doing? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> and then there was a run on him. Um, actually uh, NPR did a piece on him years ago saying that for whatever reason, all of a sudden, cosmetics companies wanted these things like all of a sudden they're like we're going to use these in cosmetics like we're gonna use oh it's, it's the new th- it's the new hotness for lotion nice. or something and so then they were selling them and people would just like go and get like tractor trailers full because it's just like oh yeah i've got a whole bunch of these in my like basically in my windbreak in the row you know before the the field and so 
they were making a windfall off of those things, but I don't think they're actually worth all that much anymore. So, so. Tanner, do you have some favorite trees of Longmont, like some specimens out there, older trees, or maybe even on public property? You don't want to necessarily. I was just about to say a lot of my favorite trees are on my client's property, and I will not disclose the location of those, (laughs) um, including people on this podcast. So, um, But uh, no, some of my favorite city trees, it's actually funny, Eric, that you mentioned that bald cypress. That's one of my favorite trees in Longmont. I just love that tree. My wife and I walk by it and do the same thing. So we pay homage <laughs> yeah, to that. Check that one out. There's another one in Roosevelt Park real quickly. It's a cottonwood. It's across the Moore Memorial yeah. Building. It is yep. massive. Yep. And I hug that sucker too, because we oh, lost yeah. our championship cottonwood in the county. Yeah, it was one of the biggest cottonwoods in the in the. Are you talking about the CU one? No, no, no. It was oh. it was actually on private property. But if you oh, look gotcha. down St. Brain yeah. Road, you could actually see it, and it was like oh, a wow. championship um, cottonwood, and it was like one of the biggest in the nation, yep. if not wow. the biggest in the nation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they lost Gentle it. Gentle anyway. giant. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful tree. Yeah. But anyway, um, sorry. The- yeah, no, they finally removed it. And that cottonwood in uh, Roosevelt is just unbelievable. I mean, that is a tree and we don't, you know, comparatively to say the Pacific Northwest or, you know, Australia, or we don't get as big of trees, but that tree is, is truly awe-inspiring, awesome in the in the hmm. actual meaning of the word. Um, but with some of my favorite trees uh, in Longmont municipally are in Thompson Park. And yeah, I mean, there's just some of the park. oldest and most beautiful trees oh my God. that we have here that were planted 120, yeah. 150 years ago. And actually, if you go online, um, maybe you guys can post a link to it. But uh, if you go <laughs> online, there's a guide to the species uh, of trees in that park. And oh. Actually, they've tagged cool. the trees. Um, with, uh, with ID tags and you can walk through with the guide if you print it out, um, and, and see the different species. And there is some incredibly exotic species in there. That is just a gorgeous park. I love to, I mean, most of old town, if we're out walking our dogs, you're on the sidewalk and whatever, but it's fun to just go like diagonally right through that park because the trees Mm -hmm. are so gorgeous. Um, Mm -hmm. it is such a beautiful place to be. Don't they have the tree climbing contest in Thompson every year? We, we had the, uh, it was actually the, the national championships there one year, I think it was 2013 or 14, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Big trees, big, beautiful trees and a ton of fun to climb. Yeah. (laughs) So so Tanner about the climbing, do you ever get freaked out about climbing or is that just not anything you, you concern yourself with at all? Well, so as I mentioned before, my dad was a mountaineer and climber. So I was kind of exposed to heights, you know, bigger heights than, than the trees, at least we have in Colorado throughout my life. So it's never the heights that get me, but I will say some of the trees that, that we end up climbing are pretty far gone. So that's, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. one of, of the sure. considerations <clears throat> is just not knowing if the tree will hold. Um, especially in kind of removal operations where we're using the tree to, to rig itself off of and and that sort of stuff. So yeah, there's definitely moments. I won't lie. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Hey, before we get you out, we kept you a long time. So probably longer than I told you, I I promised you, but I got one more question. Yeah. I was going to ask like, at what point do you know that your trees need 
trimming because I do have trees and I have like I'm I'm sure that they probably need care at this point. Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking for to say. Oh, geez, it's really time to get an arborist out. Yeah, but what's great that look like question. Um, so typically, especially with fast growing trees like honey locust, but I mean really any tree, um, it's good to get it assessed every two to five years is kind of the rotation that we. I mean the generalized rotation, but I say um, reach out to an arborist. It's industry standard in the area that someone will come out and give you an assessment for free. Okay. Um, so it really doesn't hurt to give somebody a call and uh, just just get a certified arborist eyes on it. And then once you find somebody that you like and trust, uh, just have them come out every couple of years. And quite often, we'll just tell you it's fine. You know, give us a call next year and, and we'll come out and, and do what needs to be done. But yeah, I definitely recognize me or uh, recommend being on the more conservative side of things. And yeah, just I mean, getting everybody out every couple of years. Re replacing a tree is basically impossible. So care is important. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, a lot of time and energy goes into even that, you know, a 30 foot shade tree in the front yard. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Have you seen, speaking of which, I was about to say, well, you can rebuild a house, but you can't rebuild a tree. But it just <laughs> made me think about how people are getting these, like if you move into newer neighborhoods, huge, huge mature trees mm -hmm. transplanted and put in there. Have you seen any of that happen in Longmont before? I have not. Um you know, we do some tree spading in Longmont. I think the biggest I saw in Boulder County was there was an operation in Boulder County where they moved a few, two or three 60 foot Siberian elms. I oh mean, big, gosh. big, big trees. Those, I love those training trees. them over. Yeah. And, uh, and actually just moving them on the same lot just out yeah. of the. the There's the a few of those on my street. And talking about trees that Whoa. you just look up at and you go, wow, um, yeah. they're those trees blow my mind. I can't believe anybody would move one of those. And so for everybody listening, Brady was actually literally looking up. I'm so. thinking about the trees <laughs> that I'm looking at. And I mean, if we're talking about trees that like just you're struck dumb by it, they're so big and you That's look up and go, crazy. how, I mean, how does that exist yeah. between the street and the sidewalk? Yep. I guess how, it's kind of like moving live? a building though, how technical that would be. And the amount it of is, and trees don't like to get moved, you know, really? They, really? they're persnickety when it comes to moving <laughs> places. So, and essentially what we have to do in transplanting trees is eliminate a substantial amount of the root base. And when mm. we do that, we're causing a bunch yeah. of stress to the, the organism. So, you know, we like to just plant a tree and hope that it stays there for, for a good long time. So, um, no, typically the larger the tree, the harder and more expensive it is to move. So I haven't seen it down here in Longmont, but who knows, maybe on the front range, we'll be seeing more of that in the future. When I was with the master gardener program, we used to just talk about right plant, right place all the time. So the mm. same thing is probably yeah. true with the trees. So, yeah. and I know I've been a victim of, of doing that and done some dumb things in my gardening experience where I'm like, Oh, let's put it here and see if it works. And it doesn't work. And right. back in the day, I'd be like, you know, stubborn and be like, damn it, you're going to work in this one spot. And now I'm like, no, I can move <laughs> it. I, it's no big deal. But you know, a tree is a different matter altogether, but yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I, hey, I've done plenty of that. And it, yeah, the stakes are just slightly different when we're, you know, planting a big 60 foot tree under power lines or any number of things. So. Yeah. And, and Brady, when you were talking about knowing when your trees need to be trimmed, I can tell you from experience, I was the, uh, 
I was the victim of vicious rumors around here. So uh, Tanner and his lovely wife would walk by and talk about the oak tree in front of her house. And, and really, I, and they wouldn't actually ever say anything. But I remember I said, hey, we should probably have you look at our tree. And he's like, thank God. No, um. <laughs> It's, I thought you'd never ask. I don't like exactly. the push, yeah. but geez, Well, yeah. here's the secret. Us arborists are always looking at the trees. So, you know, it's, it, you, you just, uh, you're only soliciting our, our open advice. When you're <laughs> exactly. Hey, Tanner, is there anything we can, uh, you want to add to anything we've talked about before we let you go and get back with your day? evening um no yeah water your trees and uh thank you so much boulder county and and longmont in specific for loving our trees they're such an important part of our city and yeah thank you and tanner what's your email address again in case anybody wants to get a hold of you so it's tanner at bladeandbow.com that's b-l-a-d-e-a-n-d-b-o-u-g-h.com Awesome. And we thank you very much for joining us. We'll definitely have you back on in the, probably the middle of summer and that sort of thing when we're kind of waiting for the rain. Or yeah. Whatever, then get but. your, your, your anger going as you're like, why yeah. nobody's taking care of their trees. But to be I, honest, I kept you're it pretty pro- cool this time guys. Yeah. <laughs> and he's probably going to be slammed. So it's really great. You're taking time out because you know, probably spring, summer and fall, you're probably really slammed. So thanks so much. Yeah. Thank, hey, thank you. you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. All right. That was Tanner Weiss from Blade and Bow um, Tree Trimming. And again, um, as he was saying, you can go on the city of Longmont, look at licensed tree contractors and his company, as well as many others are listed. It's a small list. It's not a huge list. So, I mean, he's got to also be very proud of being on that list. So cities being as they are, don't recommend people unless they're really good. Um, so again, certified arborists on the list over at the licensed tree contractors and I would repeat the website, but again, it's longmontcolorado.gov. And then, of course, 15,000 things yeah, after that. So, yeah. It's sort of like Boolean or like some sort of. Yeah. But if you just type it's, in tree contractor city of Longmont, you can find it very easily. So, yeah, it's good. Um, but I really appreciate him coming on just because I, I really am very passionate about trees and also just yeah. watering and people take care of them because we all, like I said, in Old Town, even if you just planted a tree, I mean, heck, you want that thing to well, take off. Yeah. You want to have a nice canopy for future generations. Chad just planted a few in his backyard. And, and when we were moving, I mean, years ago and looking for a house, I mean, it was Old Town. And yeah, the houses are cute and stuff, but it's like, wow, the trees... And then as Chad was looking for a house, he was, um, you know, in a neighborhood that didn't have as many and he would cross the street into officially old town. And he's like, it's just all of a sudden there's these trees and a friend of mine who's looking to buy a house right now. He's like, we're just looking for places like yours with all those trees and you get so spoiled and it's so beautiful. And like yeah. taking care of them is so important and you can just, with, you just forget it. the maintenance bill. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. it does. It really does. <laughs> yeah, it but does. I mean, sure it's does. something I didn't realize when we bought our house, like how expensive these trees would be to take care of over the years. I mean, it's well worth it, but right. we, and then, yeah. and then of course replanting. I mean, we tried to replant at least one a year and you know, that has its own little annual yeah. bill too. Yeah, and we had an elm tree had to be removed because it was dead, and that's not cheap either. But it served no. its life really long, no. and it was a bummer. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, it was one of those things. So yeah. Um, anything else? I mean, we have. I have like one thing I wanted to mention. A tidbit, Nanny. It looks like you have something to mention For too sure. before we let everybody go. 
Sure. Um, I just want to mention a couple things. One, we uh, as a family got this weekend to head down to the Museum of Nature and Science in Denver, Ooh. which we did on our discovery passes. And Ooh. I wanted to mention that because the discovery passes through the library are back after a quick hiatus nice. during COVID. So um, I think you guys maybe have featured this before, but yeah. you can every resident is entitled to a certain number of these passes per year that are valid for free entrance into cultural institutions around the state um, and some locally and stuff. So it's an amazing deal. I mean, it saved us like 75, 80 bucks or something like that yeah. as a family to jump into there. And we got it within three days and yada, yada. So it was a bummer when that went away, but discovery passes are back. Which oh, that's cool. awesome. And, uh, you know, and, and, and speaking for Brady on the COVID update as usual, uh, yeah. you know, they were moving the mask mandates in Denver and things seem yeah. to be subsiding. So I suspect in the next few weeks, we'll yeah, I a mean, little easing here too as well. Yeah, the, the numbers were so high last week and the week before and like spiking before that. And they're they're coming down very fast. They're still really high, but they're they're coming down so fast. It's almost I'm a sharp that, of a turn down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. when it goes up that fast, it just, it can't stay there. I mean, that it's crazy and right. it's coming down and that's, you know, I'm hoping that coming up in, in the next months that things sort of kind of go normally. You know, kind I think of? actually I'm really optimistic. I really yeah. am optimistic. And Andy, did you have something else too as well? Did you have another? Oh, um, one other thing I wanted to mention is that we've got a uh, Yoga Pod Longmont yeah. open, yeah, which is pretty exactly. exciting. Yeah, so Yoga Pod is a locally owned yoga studio in Boulder that has been really popular over the years. It's owned by a local couple, and they're opening up a Longmont location. And so this will be in Southwest Longmont, um, in the building where Snyder's Jewelers is on Ken Pratt. If you kind of oh. know what that is. Yeah. So like around where, you know, the brewing market in that area, Dairy Queen is in there and, and that whole big set. And I know okay. it's like really long along there, but it's also samey aside from uh, brewing market, which I is. know it's is really close to uh, Hover. Um, the rest right. of it's like, yeah, it, it's uh, it's um, it's somehow attached to that thing that the brewing market's in. Like, so, yes. you know, yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about that center when we were talking about strip malls. <laughs> no, we didn't. But I think like, <laughs> should we dive back in? <laughs> that one's yeah, a bit so. easier to get in and out of. Like, it's not quite yeah. as nightmarish. Exactly. But it, yeah. it's almost as samey as the one on Hobart. Yeah. On yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, I think that they're everything. like officially open for business. So if you are looking for some yoga, trying yeah. a new studio, uh, these guys are open up and they're just kind of adding to the plethora of yoga options here in Longmont. It's so pretty cool. And I have I, some uh, go ahead some dining Maybe. stuff for for yeah. Valentine's Day. Uh, there's oh. a few in, yeah, right, right. This is not something I'm going to do because we don't really celebrate Valentine's Day on here. We're not that kind of people. We just make we make nice dinner whenever we feel like it. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but what I thought was kind of funny is there's a couple of um, Longmont area businesses uh, participating in this. One of which being the Post, and keep in mind Valentine's Day, and they're offering. Um, $75 for two specialty consisting of fried chicken, caviar, a side house salad and choice of dessert. And I was wondering how they got up to 75 bucks for a, for a, for a two person thing over for fried chicken. And Wait, don't give me, I love person it. or total, uh, 75 bucks for two, oh. four so pieces of fried chicken, caviar, caviar and chicken. That's yeah. a very interesting. <laughs> right. No, yeah. I thought it was worth imagine. the mention. That's why I'm talking about it. Uh, but yeah, or, no, it's like, yeah. But I was wondering, like, how are they going to pump this up to? Because I saw the $75 for two price tag and I'm going, how are you getting? Yeah. I mean, the post is not the cheapest chicken place in the world, but they do make good food. Yeah. Did, then, are drinks included? Uh, 
choice of dessert. No, my picture is like you too. You remember (laughs) two older people from Minnesota. Our drinks are included. Yeah, you get one free bud with uh, with that. Yeah. You could also get the uh, that that the one that the kids drink the uh, the P- PBR. Yeah, that's you right. That yeah, too. you get that too as well. Yeah, yeah that there. But it's you know it'd be the four dollar fish fry on Friday. Yeah, it would be <laughs> the, walleye fri- yeah. the walleye fry. The uh, walleye fry. Walleye fish. But if you've if you've never had fried walleye, it's amazing. It is the most amazing fish, it's freshwater so fish in the world. Brady and yeah. I pontificate about this all the so time. Good. But anyway, yeah. And if you're gonna bake it, <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I know two ways to make walleye. Want us to fry it, obviously, and then yes. the other is like basically the same. You're not like, baking it; you got to no. Fry you it. wrap it in in tin foil, and you just like drop a stick of butter on it. Yeah, <laughs> and, you, yeah. and you bake it. Yeah. And both are very, very good. Yeah. Um. For for more, uh, Martini's Bistro is doing 150 bucks per couple. They got a thing going on. Sugar Beets got basically the same thing, 75 bucks per person. Um, so there's, there's places to go out for Valentine's Day. Can I just so, pay sounds you like though? it might be your debut restaurant, you know, back yeah. at the restaurant post COVID could be right on time for you, Brady. That's right. Making I'd take it, I'd take get it out home. there. Get out there. Yeah. I'd probably yeah. still bring it home and watch like movies. In my sweatpants. Can I just tell you, I really, I really wanted to pay you to say that the, the menu at Martini's and sugar beet was fried chicken and caviar. I really wanted <laughs> you to also, say that. And also <laughs> no, sugar beet has a black little falafel, um, sous vide duck egg wow um appetizers like calamari calamari sous vide duck egg black lentil falafel dude i don't I know how love to love duck eggs so yeah. much they're very they're rich so right? good yeah, they're, they're good. so rich yeah. so velvety it's yeah. the best if i was mm. gonna go for it which i'm not because i don't need to take care of anything else that needs to be fed but ducks that's what i would do not duck ducks. eggs would be good yeah Speaking oh, of yeah. our drought conditions, let's yeah. get some waterfalls let's get some ducks let's get some waterfalls <laughs> just, yeah you just fill up like a kid's pool you know it's right. not it's not yeah. too crazy Quack, quack, poop, poop. Uh, one thing, too, about restaurants is that I uh, ran into some people who have been to Longspeak Pub or remember this person. Her name's Lindsay. She was like the day manager, and she actually is the co-owner of Urban Field. Oh, oh. so happened that we but were But I thought there. Urban Field was from California. Are they franchising or something? No, it's it's a it's not a franchise. It's a it's what I understand. It's like she met uh, another couple people that we're from Boston actually. So they're going to do this kind of casual restaurant, different kind of concept hybrid a little bit, not full service, but hybrid. And it sounds really exciting. So that she's really excited. She left Long's Peak Pub. So she's venturing out to do this. She is co-owner with this venture. They, she's finally, they're, they're getting close to opening. So she felt like she had to leave uh, Long's Peak Pub, which she'll be missed. I was going to say, does she have an open date for us? Yeah, so it's early March. So anyway, that's really exciting. Yay. Yeah, it's really cool. It should be fun. So give it a try. I think what's really cool is is they they've got an open audience there with the apartments down there. You know, yeah. you've got the yeah, Wibby and a few other places where people are probably maybe searching for some other types of food. So yep. Yep. you know, good honor, and I hope they do really well because she's she's a delight. She's been awesome. I just want to give her a shout out. Local so. owner. That's good. yeah, it's very cool. So um and yeah, then i think one more correction too or a correction oh. is annie i have to say i think you told me that mustards was closing and i drove by on boulder the other day and it was fully no, open and... okay i thought about <laughs> so that i'm really afterwards. confused and i didn't say that it closed <laughs> i said that it sold oh ah, okay and 
And even yeah, stick that, that in your I need pipe to, and smoke it. <laughs> well, even that I need to fact check, but I definitely well, know I didn't say that it closed. That one surprised I, me because the owner is, you know, he's got to be like 102 yeah, now. But I think yeah, that so, that was what know. the deal was. But yeah. fired. I will we'll check on that. Yeah, if you don't mind. Um, no, I don't mean to blast you at all. I mean, totally no, we got, fine. We got to stay on our toes around here. Yeah, exactly. We just got to throw be, a lot yeah. of goss around. I mean, all things. we are is, yeah, the hot goss. All we are is is news. So, you know, occasional <laughs> fact checking. Uh, I guess it's obviously wrong. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not true then, everybody. <laughs> all right. As always, thanks to Annie Brady for joining me in the podcast. Podcast. Um, you can find us wherever you find your podcast content. And tell your friends about Side Dish. Uh, rate us, go online, rate us, give us a good review. Tell your friends, um, tell your neighbors, tell your local arborist all about us. Um, find Dish online at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find stuff. Um, thanks to Andy Epler for, as always, for our intro music and David Cutter for our outro. If you want to reach out to us, Side Dish, longmont at gmail.com. Thank you both.